This week on Out Now with Aaron and Ed, we are talking One Night in Miami. Four folks, one room. Tension! Out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is Abe. Hello, hi. Out now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies via motion spoiler for review, or an occasional commentary track, or some other home movie topic. This is episode 436. 436. 436. That definitely sounds like a hot one. <laughs> well, that's, that's that's appropriate because this week for 436, we're talking one night in Miami. Uh, the new film directed by a debut directing um, effort from uh, Regina King, uh, featuring many historical black figures uh, based off a play by Kemp Powers. Uh, we're going to get all into that. It's going to be a lot of fun. But before that, uh, joining us to discuss One Night in Miami, we have from the Taylor Network of Podcasts, an all-American rumbler who loves twisting in the night from Plymouth Rock. It's Daryl Taylor. How you doing, everybody? Daryl, how are you doing this evening? This morning, this um, afternoon, whenever I'm fine. Good. I'm, I'm this still day? here. <laughs> we don't expect this much. This new year? <laughs> quite, quite the introduction, too, Aaron. That was quite the introduction. Yeah. No, I tried. But, Daryl, no, good to have you back here. It's been a minute. It's been uh, since our I Justice know, League show. Wow. Um, so I figured since the last time we had you on here was for a gathering of superheroes, I figured a gathering of historical black figures just made a lot of sense. And you know what? You're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's to the Snyder Cut of One Night in Miami in three years' time. Nice. Please no. <laughs> Not Snyder cut. cut. I want it. But no, it, good to have you here, of course. And we'll be getting into the, the movie and more uh, shortly. Let's do some show notes real quick, though. Uh, first up, um, our, let, let's say this right out. again. Once again, Happy New Year. I know it's been a couple of weeks, but Happy New Year once again. Um, Happy New Year. And uh, just to point out, we had a massive top 10 episode uh, last week, which was uh, super fun to record, but also super fun to get a lot of great guests in uh, to throw in their top 10s as well. So if you haven't checked that one out, that's currently available on iTunes and everywhere you can find our show. Uh, but just a uh, that's that's you know that's one of our most fun efforts to put together every year. So that was, that was just very happy how it came together. And uh, nice. Speaking of uh, fun efforts, our Manhunter commentary is out every month to do a commentary track, and this year, for the first five months of the year, we're going to be doing all of the Hannibal Lecter films, which started with Michael Mann's Manhunter. And so we had friends of the show, Brandon Peters, Scott Middleson, and Manhunter superfans Jim Dietz and um, Jason Coleman all uh, participating in that commentary track, and that's available now also on iTunes. We almost had Michael Mann come on. Yeah, we were this close. Almost. Are you but preparing we're like, for... Michael, if you come on, that's going to be too many people, and this the it's going to just sound so jarring. You, you preparing for Clarice? <laughs> I mean, we, we, got our, we, got our, we got our DVR set. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'll, I'll be sure to listen to uh, to Nothing's On to hear your thoughts on Clarice. Uh, Get that all access. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that one's uh, that commentary tracks out now, and it's on iTunes. Speaking of which, iTunes reads ratings. Good to get those. Helps out our show. Helps other people find our show. If you want to log on to Out Now, fair Log on. To, sorry. If you want to log on to iTunes, search for Out Now, fair Abe. You can find our stupid show, and you can give us a bunch of ratings and reviews. That'd be great. <laughs> Wow. Please give us all the five stars. Feel free to log on to Out Now with our name. We don't know if that website exists, but uh, if it does, yeah, sure, try and log it on. It should to exist. It. 
What if what happens if I type www.outnow? It's gonna be like, sorry, Aaron. this belongs Aaron to. Aaron. What if there is a site? Somebody <laughs> bought it for us. There's or no somebody, site. That'd be somebody's ridiculous. holding it against it. That'd be that'd be ridiculous if that's a site. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, what else? Um, but as far as plans for the, you know, we were coming up a lot of things as far as last year to kind of finish off the year because there was just a lot of movies coming out. Uh, things are the schedule's a little tighter uh, now. We have movies coming out pretty much every week, um, but there we do have plans to finally talk about Christopher Nolan's Tenet, um, possibly. Which next. to my sur- my surprise, I was like, I thought that we already did, Aaron, and he's like, No, we haven't. Wow. And then he's like, uh, he's like, uh, we want to wait for you. And I was like, that's so nice. I started gonna, to cry. You're going to go backwards? Yeah, what, yes, we are. What's, yeah. what's happened, happened. Like, we did Tenet already. It just hasn't happened uh, yet. Oh, like I see what you're saying. Okay. Like yeah. But no, that'll be exciting to do because, you know, we it's always exciting to talk about Nolan films. He seems to seems to create a, a level of discourse among the, the film world. So, yeah, we find out. Oh, I loved it. I have to you think the guy likes movies? No, no, I don't, I don't think so <laughs> either. Films. Yeah, probably. He's he's one of those like you know we'll just call this guy and pay him like two million bucks and then we'll get hundred million from his movies. Got yeah. it. Yeah. He doesn't even name all his cast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, guy invests. Too busy. Just lazy. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> Jonathan called him. He's like, hey, I love the movie, but what's John David Washington's name? He's like, hey, uh, I just I'm gonna wear out to it. He's like, all right, click. Comes up, moves on of his day. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole conversation. Like, do you mind if I use this recording in the movie? I'll just make it super loud and un and and unlistenable, un- un- inaudible. Inaudible. There you go. Yeah. That's 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 what Riz Ahmed would say. Um, all right, let's um, let's let's move on here. Um, so okay, let me address this. What, last year in the post Bloodshot era, obviously there were a lot of movies that we did not get to talk about because of delays in the schedule and have you. So we created a wonderful segment, award-winning, some would say, uh, called What We Would Have Talked About Were Things blank, blank, blank. Uh, we're in a new year now. Movie schedules have aligned differently. We're at, we're past a point where there would have been notable delays because things have just shifted so dramatically. So unfortunately, we're going to have to retire the segment What We Would Have Talked About This Week. I know. I know. There's a lot I of... Know. And it's it's crazy. I mean, I guess you could say like after a year, the movie studios kind of figured out their schedule, yeah. but you know, no, but I, no, yeah. <laughs> well, they're still moving things around as we just exactly. found out. <laughs> but uh, regardless, uh, I it just it's not gonna keep working as far as schedules go because it's just it's both too fluid, but also we're past the point of where this like really made a difference. And so, uh, yeah, I know it's unfortunate. We're going to add in all the sounds of audiences uh, having very sad, disappointed uh, reactions to this, so it'll make more mm-hmm. sense. But yeah, <laughs> we're going to have to move on without that second. Yeah, we're that's... only going to do it one more time in the future, and that's going to be for Bond 25. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Presumably in April yeah. again. I can't well, wait for well, well, we would have talked about it in the movie theaters. This, Oh, yeah, yeah. I guess James Bond. Bond might be the – No, no Time to Die might be the movie we've most talked about without reviewing the movie at this point. Oh, wow. <laughs> I want to say that we've talked about it at least like six times. Uh, probably in the between air. like trailers and Re- when it would have been recorded. Yeah. yeah. Off yeah. airs like all the time. That'll be a rant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that said, I mean, as we've we're adjusting to this new year and how schedules are or how the kind of the movie schedule is going to continue to be a certain way, we, we were going to adjust the podcast a little bit. We've been tinkering a lot as far as this, the format goes or whatnot. So just uh, be prepared. Yeah. 
Uh, We've got some alien technology now. Yeah, exactly. That was that was the thing. <laughs> we got increased funding from aliens. Yeah. Michael Keaton's our boss. <laughs> All right. So let's move on now. Let's get let's get to it. Let's get to our main review for One Night in Miami. Listen, listen. Brothers and sisters, listen, listen, listen. Miami, the champ! I swear we'll never find a way to where we're going all alone. The goal is for us to really be free. We want the world. Speak now. But we're safe to be ourselves. Speak now. I don't. I don't. Think like we want. Speak now. Without having to answer to anybody forward. We have to be there for each other. Who's the greatest? You brothers could move mountains without lifting a finger. That should have been some of the trailer for One Night in Miami, based on the 2013 debut play by Kent Powers, co-director of Pixar's Soul. Director Regina King has adapted the story of a fictional account of a real night back in 1964. It focuses on a pivotal moment where four black icons, newly crowned heavyweight champion Muhammad Ali, then Cassius Clay, the Nation of Islam leader Malcolm X, influential singer-songwriter and recording record producer Sam Cooke, and star NFL running back Jim Brown, I'll have a discussion concerning their role as an influence on black culture and the civil rights movement, which leads to arguments specifically between Malcolm and Cook as far as their standing represents. Sorry, as far as what their standing represents and who they are really appealing to. Daryl, I wanted to come to you first. Mm -hmm. What what was your reaction to seeing a film that features these four icons and what do you think of the film in, in general? Uh, well, when I first heard about it, I, I, it, it, it really caught my attention uh i did not expect someone to be doing that and then when they said who was directing it that really caught my attention mm-hmm. um and uh i looked at the cast and it was it was really a good cast i absolutely adored it like i like there was not a point in this movie where i did not feel myself watching the entire time uh you know like just i could sit in fact i could i could have sat and watched another three hours of these these guys mm-hmm. just talking and relating um because it was just so amazing i mean i had not seen a a a performance of malcolm x this humanizing in a, in a long time uh and that goes for for the you know for the other cast as well i mean yeah it was just it was just so well well cast and well shot and like it felt like i was in miami <laughs> that night <laughs> i could feel the heat um and just the uh yeah it just it just was an amazing uh film that i you know i wish i did <laughs> i wish i was able to sit in a movie in and in an imax or something and and watch it uh because it 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 is that kind of uh, kind of film where you, it would look amazing on a gigantic screen. Besides the big TV in my living room, but still, um, <laughs> you know that's a, that's a, yes. that's a good point. Like I, you know, the movie's coming out like it's now, 
it, but it's coming out obviously only on streaming. I'd be mm-hmm. so curious, especially because it's Martin Luther King Day weekend. Yeah, and yeah. it's. I feel like this would this could have been like a breakout hit, is because because given the specific demographics that it would appeal to, obviously, but just the nature of these four people in a movie to get you know the people they're representing in a movie together. I feel like this could, and you know, the buzz that was leading into it. I feel like it could have done good business, you know, for for mm-hmm. a film of this size. Uh, you know, it's not, you know not a huge budget movie. It's a character drama, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I think there's an appeal there that would have drawn a crowd, and not unlike, and not to not to disparage or to like make a direct comparison, but like a Tyler Perry movie, as far as the kind of box office those movies do tend to pull because of who they're appealing right. to. I think mm-hmm. this is working would work in a similar manner. Um, but with that said, Abe, what did you think of One Night Miami? Uh, Daryl and I did not um, confer with each other before this podcast. <laughs> and one of the things that I, I was going to start off with was um, this is one of those movies that you would go to a theater to go see. And what I mean by that is like this is like why an actor would would take a role or a director would would take a project. Um, you know, you read the script and you're just like, I want to make this fucking movie. Um, and this is this is like an actor's movie. Um, you mentioned it before, uh, Aaron and, and Daryl. There's there's not a whole lot because it's based off of a play um, that's going on that that's going on in the movie. Um, so it's very dialogue and, and character and, and um, like zinger driven to some degree. Um, but that's what makes it so incredible as well because everybody kind of has their moment to shine in the movie um they'll all have an impactful speech um but they'll also have they'll also have like really uh, i mean they're all really good looking guys too so they all have like a great screen presence um and what's incredible about it is like daryl you said it i could also just listen to these guys for another three hours kind of thing mm-hmm. like i would you know tell me more about your friendship tell me more about the changes that you guys have have gone through and and tell me more about your problems uh, as well you know like I would love to to hear it, and then also, like what's crazy about it is like it it also takes into account a lot of, um, I guess you could say like pop culture because they they do listen to songs and they listen to they bring up all these other things that are going on in in the sixties, um, and it's just an incredible movie. Like I wasn't expecting a lot. The first time I heard this movie was uh, I think our mid. Are, are way too early Academy Awards uh, with Alex Billington, where you guys were giving it some high praise in the writing department. It was, it was like, not, not to correct you too, but it was a little later mm-hmm. than that because it, started, it debuted over in uh, a TIFF. In, uh, TIFF, in, okay, in so it's probably, yeah, probably. But we had an episode covering TIFF, so I mean, yeah. Wait. Right, right, and I can't remember. I, and last year, you know, time was a flat circle, so I get it. <laughs> this is true yeah yeah i mean we're all drinking lone star beer right now true um, but yeah in any case it, it was you know it was brought to my attention and people were saying that this is one of the best maybe it was with was it with terrence um possibly in any case um we were talking about this movie and i was like oh i can't wait to, to see it because people are saying the dialogue is really good and you know i'm a sucker for great dialogue even if there's not a whole lot of action going on so you know uh i was i was really engrossed and enthralled um with this movie and again like daryl you said it best like it humanizes um malcolm x but also at the same time like it really allowed me to just feel like we were hanging out we were mm-hmm. just like you know and I, I i was trying to parallel this movie with some other things and i really wasn't able to because there's 
there are some movies that, that sort of do this. Like the, the closest one that I sort of came to was like maybe like a Stand by Me, but less, um, uh, more more grown up, but also less like uh, fantastical because you know they're not they're not being chased by uh, a dog named Chopper right. um, or Keeper Sutherland right. or Keeper Sutherland, yeah, and his crazy gang who uh, want to burn uh, Chris Chambers' eyeballs out. But um, <laughs> yeah, like, overall, like this movie is incredible. Like I I just don't know really any other word to say because um. I really enjoyed it, and I also really enjoyed the way that they mixed in like um, Sam Cooke's songs, um, and then the way that the movie ends is like, you see, Trials Chicago Seven. This is how you end a movie. <laughs> like, there might be like some some quote at the end there too, but it's also like not like, you know, this is how you end this entire movie. So overall. This is why you would go to the movies. You know, this movie is why you would go to the movies. And I I applaud it, and I also am, am going to champion it. And I, I feel like it, you could probably just watch it again. Like, it, it's I'm, so I'm easy. I'm curious. Adjustable. We did our mm-hmm. top ten episode last week, and you hadn't seen the movie yet. Would this have fallen on your top ten? Likely, yes. Yeah. So I'm glad that I left an asterisk there at number one. I could push a lot of things out. <laughs> Um, you were half right, by the way. Alex Billington was on our show for our fall festivals. Episode. Yes! <laughs> he, uh, he talked about the Venice Film Festival with us, and we had Matt Negley on to talk about TIFF and the Matt New York Negley. Film Festival. Um, I uh, really like this film as well, One Night in Miami. I, um, <clears throat> I've seen it a couple times now, and it's weird because I, I mentioned this on our Top Ten show. Like I, I was fine with it the first time, and I think there's just a combination of things that wasn't like putting me in the right mood for it. So when I watched it again, because I hadn't seen it, since September at that point, I was really taken aback by how good it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just struck me as almost a different movie. Like I knew what was going on, but just everything clicked together better. And I think that's just getting like anticipation and like tr- figuring out how to see it out of the way. Now I can just sit back and like enjoy it. And it just really worked. Um, all the things that I've already mentioned that you guys have mentioned are, I, I would agree with. I think it is well cast. It has great dialogue. It, feels like a great cinematic effort too like that's something i've tried to pay attention to second time around because i've talked about this plenty of times you make film based on a play and you have things like a limited perspective limited settings you have action that's designed to be a certain way you have dialogue that's heightened to reflect certain themes or what have you which is not unlike necessarily movies in general but there's just a kind of a a feeling that you know confines you more given the nature of what's going on here what i like about this movie a lot in addition to obviously the things we mentioned performances dialogue what have you is that it does try to take care to give you a lot of different perspectives different like location stuff even if most of it's set in a room like the the opening which is like a really fun cold open because you have four different characters you have to like introduce it gives you like all of their things they're doing you have cassius clay in a boxing ring you have uh, you have Malcolm, you have Malcolm dealing with like his life as far as like Islam and like his wife and stuff. You have Jim Brown visiting racist Bo Bridges. Uh, you you have Sam. When, when is Bo Bridges yeah. not racist? That's probably like the great grandfather of uh, the guy in Jerry Maguire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does the unexpected uh, racist thing. It's like if right. you don't see yeah. it coming, it's, it's, it's amazing. Okay, he, he we, but we were a, waiting. We were all waiting for. We were waiting. It's, it's a surprise right hook. Yeah, um, and yeah. then you have Sam Cooke bombing at the Copacabana. That's the other thing, too. I like how the introductions are all like these guys at not necessarily their lowest moments, but certainly not their most shining moments. Right. Uh, and so you're, you're making them conflicted right. already. You're showing, like Daryl, you mentioned, you're showing them humanized in a way that you 
yes, movies about them specifically are going to give you a lot of different dimensions on them. But this mm-hmm. is a movie that, you know, it wants you to, if you're going to have to sit down with these guys and have a conversation, it's nice to have a movie that's focused on them as people and not them as, as, as I've described them as icons. I, I'm not right. stepping into the room and seeing the most perfect version of all of these guys. We're seeing all of them at a conflicted moment in their lives. You have you have Cassius Clay about to convert to Islam and change his name to Muhammad Ali. You have Malcolm X about to, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have Malcolm X about to leave the Nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. You have Jim Brown trying to settle down between being an NFL star and being a, movie, a Hollywood star. And you have Sam Cooke who has, I think, the most dramatic arc as far as understanding where his place is in the world and what his impact is leaving. Right. And that's what I want to get into with this film. What I I really enjoy about it is the, you know, there's there's these four guys, but it largely comes down to a battle of wills between Malcolm X and Sam Cooke. And when I say battle, it's not as if the movie's going to turn into a fight. It's just these guys are, ha- they have different points of view on things mm-hmm. and, they, and they're and they going to try to make their points to each other. Yeah, those are two characters at their most trying times like mm-hmm. the, the, in their careers and in, in, in what they're doing. Like this is when they pivot. <laughs> this is this is close to, and tra- and tragically, uh, for the most part. But yeah, be- that. I, exactly. That's a that's a that's a thing too. As far as two of the, these two guys, there's not much more of their life falling this night, which is you know a shame for various reasons. But yeah. regardless, yeah. Um, I I do like the film makes a strong effort to. It, 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 it tries to put you on like both of their sides as far as where they're coming from and what they feel they represent. And I, I like the conflict that they have with each other and the conflict mm-hmm. they have within themselves that you clear that you clearly see on display, which I think again is from, from yeah. the great acting. I think the, the, the performances right. are all really strong here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is something that we sort of talked about with Marcus last week when we were recording our top tens and we talked about, um, I'm thinking of ending things and Marcus is saying, well, you know, there's just not a whole lot going on. And, 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 and then I brought up, I was like, yeah, but the performances are great. And he definitely agreed. And this is another example of like, you know, there doesn't have to be a whole lot going on, but the performances are really driving this movie. And they're, they're so good mm-hmm. that you don't really care that they're mostly stuck in a hotel room or at a convenience store or on the roof of the building. You know what I mean? Like right. there's, there's not I mean, there's more that that you see, like what Aaron mentioned. There's Copacabana and, and all these other settings as well. But because this is, you know, um, a stage play, uh, you know, you can't really make a whole bunch of like sets that would make you feel like you're you're gonna go and interchange like you know 72 different locations. Um, so that really helped out too. But I mean, again, it's incredible. And then I want to speak to Regina King a little bit. Like as a first-time director, there's a lot of of um, really good. I'm going to not go overboard because yeah. you could definitely feel like if this was in the wrong hands, mm-hmm. this is a this is a cluster of like a movie. Yeah, it'd like, be speechifying everywhere. If yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like oh, here let's turn. Like there's one point where I was like, oh, this is very poignant toward today, um, and I think that there was like uh, I think Malcolm X was was um, making a point. Um, and then the raised voices. And I was like, if this is in the wrong hands again, like what you're saying, there's just wrong turns that, and maybe like too much focus on, let me make them not friends. Let me make them their icons, like what Aaron was talking about. Right. And let me just have them speak about like, oh, well, you know, fighting is the white man's way of making me like, I don't want to go to war. And it's like, there's none of that. Like this is their friends. 
there it, it's very like again regina king does a good job masterful to some degree of just letting them be them becoming like let us see that they are friends let us see their struggles let us be with them and then let us understand them and then mm-hmm. they envelop us with like the camaraderie so kudos to regina king and definitely kept powers on on the right do you guys know when this when this play was written in 20, okay, it's like it, I was like I wasn't sure how how recent it was, but I felt as though it was fairly recent. But. Well, the thing about it was is it, it the thing that makes it feel that way mm-hmm. is that everything in this in this movie, the conversations that these these four men have, are convers- sadly conversations that don't go away. Hundred percent. And that I think that that keeps it that that keeps it fresh. And she allowed them to have those conversations where you don't always come off as the as the hero, like there would be a tendency for others to kind of make Malcolm X the the, the super, super, super great person in the room. Mm-hmm. And then the others trifling, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, that's happening, right. you know, but no, there, there was equally, there were things that they all shared that they all looked like, you know, they all had those, those moments where even, even, you know, Malcolm had to sit back and go, you know what? I did not even think of that. And, you know, and that's the thing with Malcolm X at this time, he was going through such a, a, a crisis of faith mm-hmm. that you could even believe that it, it really made him look at things differently, especially when, you know, he, when he makes that trip that even adds to that, you know, the whole thing with colorism and mm-hmm. economics and, um, you know, blind faith and, you know, like, all of that was in that those conversations, a conversation we all have. Right. We just don't have it, you know, in public where people could sit there and hashtag you, right, and yell at you. But it just, it is that kind of tennis. It's like acting. It, it, there's actors that have uh, friends of mine who've talked about when when they're sitting in the room, they're on stage with someone, and they realize that that person is sparring with them. Mm-hmm. And they're just they're just hitting it back and forth, back and forth, and they're in a vibe where it just it just works. She let them do that, like she didn't take away from when those moments were happening. And right. she, she let it happen and then let us see it. You know that's great. Um, that's a great sports analogy. And I just want to go on that for a quick second. I mean, you're right that there's just so much beautiful like back and forth. And then there's times where yeah, the guy just wants to rip an ace, right? Just like mm-hmm. hey, I'm gonna go for it and I'm gonna. I'm gonna get this point because I also want to win. But then other times it's like it's it's tennis on the highest level. So yeah, the part of the key to some of this too is you specifically when you with uh, Malcolm X and and it's weird bouncing back and forth with Cassius Clay. I'll say I'll kind of keep saying Cassius Clay because that's who he is in the at this point yeah. in the movie, so I don't confuse right. myself. Uh, but with specifically with Malcolm X and Cassius Clay. There are obviously two notable actors that have played these characters in movies specifically about them. You had Denzel Washington and Malcolm X, and you had Will Smith and Ali. And something I've been – I was reckoning with watching this movie the two times is, well, for me, Malcolm X X is one of the best film performances. (laughs) So it's like, how do you do this again and make it its own? And I I credit to Kingsley Benadir. He does a really good job of playing him in a – different sort of way like you mm-hmm. like there's it's not that denzel doesn't play him as human in that movie but like there is a kind of a rhythm he has to say where he's not you know he's not the he's not the focal point of the film he is part of no. an ensemble 
And I think that that very much informs how right. Ben Adir plays the 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 character. Eli He's Gorey, vulnerable. he is yeah, very much so. Eli Gorey, he like he opens the film, and it's Muhammad Ali. That's a larger than life performance. Right. I mean, right. that's that's a guy mm-hmm. that you know, without being played by someone else, is already incredibly charismatic and super like entertaining to watch. And I like that this movie, like you just mentioned, he also is vulnerable here. You're mm-hmm. seeing this side of him however embellished or what have you it might be, but you're seeing the side of him that's in trying to embrace a new religion, trying to understand his place in the world, while still being the kind of braggadocious character that he is, uh, which right. is and, what it's always entertaining. Like, that's super right. fun and to watch. And still having vices. Yes, you know, exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. So it, yeah. it it is really interesting to, you know, watch these, these two performers specifically as far as, you know, weighing them against two other very notable performances of these characters, let alone... The fact that, you know, these guys in real life are the, you know, very charismatic or notable figures for a reason. It's not because right. they, you know, you just, it's it's not because they're quiet. <laughs> like, yeah. <right. laughs> uh, meanwhile, you have Jim Brown and Sam Cooke, not as represented, uh, but I do think Aldous Hodge and Leslie Odom Jr. put in a strong effort. Leslie Odom Jr., I think, is for me, is the best. We'll, we'll talk about this in a second, but I think Leslie Odom Jr. is my favorite performance in this movie. That is... Uh, I echo that. I was going to ask you guys that mm-hmm. at a later well, point, well, let's too. Get, let's put a pin in that, because that's a bigger okay. time. I want to get back to that. But I do think Aldous Hodge... I think he's no. I think he's going to get less credit overall because he's just not as in in this. He's not as uh, pivotal in this film as the others are. He's not changing anything as dramatic as religion or his name. He's the or glue. Ex- yes. And, and friendships. He's the. You need someone that's the glue, mm-hmm. right? That's gonna when it gets too hot, he's gonna calm it down. He's gonna be the one to bring the, the groups together. He yeah. He's not gonna get the 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 spotlight, but he's that. But he's needed in that room. Exactly. Right. If you don't have and him Jim, there, the thing fall, can fall apart. Right. Yeah, and Jim is is a fairly quiet guy, I yeah. guess, in, in general too, like yeah. in real life. Real, so yeah. it, it's right. understandable. Like, but all this Hodges, like he's all, very all this good. Hodge, like he's, he's very good, and also like, you know, if you've seen the Invisible Man, you know how huge he is. Yeah, he's a um, big man. <laughs> so uh, yep. I'm just like, oh, they they really hit it well, making more sweaters and and blazers. Yeah, you and you, also you, there's you, a... need, you need somebody invisible just to take him down because it wouldn't make sense to watch the guy that takes him down an invisible man to like be able to take him down. It's just like he's right. so small. How would he take down all the such? <laughs> and there's also a way that 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 athletes and just anyone who is is a personality in public, they stand ten feet taller. Mm-hmm. But when they're in room, when you see like something I always love to watch home videos of people, of, 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 of people like that. And you see that they stand differently. Right. When they're with their, their friends and loved ones. Right. There's not that we're not overtowering each other. Like they have Cassius Clay and Jim Brown in a room together and none of them are in that room like hulks trying to outdo each other. Just, yeah, that's that come that's that camaraderie you're speaking yes. to again. That's the friend. Yeah. That's the fact that these guys are friends, even if some of them take more dramatic dips into other areas like right. Max mainly. Right. There's still guys that know how to like hang out and interact with each. Other. I mean, the the there's a lot of great scenes in this movie. Obviously, I, oh, I didn't totally. forget the I didn't forget the favorite performance thing. I'm still putting a pin in that. Uh, but yeah, yeah. there's a lot of great scenes in this movie. Uh, but I really like that rooftop scene. Oh. Uh, because for one thing, it breaks the tension of it. They get to get out of the room. Opens the door to another yeah. scene. Yeah. To, to yeah. another part of the movie. Even though they do get in a fight. Uh, but I, but the idea that they're teasing Malcolm to the point of him breaking his accent 
like his affected speech that mm-hmm. got to me because that's like that is yeah. neat to see him like get to a point where he's not and it's not even over something like significant it's over a camera it's over the messing right. with him like right. it, it's fun to see that like that's a, how you perform that i think is really interesting to watch yeah it is it, it really was it wasn't the part where uh cassius clay says uh that that jim brown's gonna start doing movies that, that part's pretty funny. What the too. fuck, Cass? <laughs> I like when they told when they said Malcolm, you don't even have a job. Yeah. <laughs> that, and that that was a moment. Like those those little things like that is what you're. That's something your friends and family would say to you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it comes early, especially with Cassius Clay. It comes early on when you're when you're just in the ring with him and and Bondini Brown and Michael Imperioli uh, as as um that, as yeah. Angela Dundee. I was like, that looks so familiar. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> And when like he's talking about, he doesn't want to get blood in his trunks because mom's gonna do his laundry. And mm-hmm. Bonini Brown is like, your mom still does your laundry. He's like, shut up. <laughs> like, <it's just> really <laughs> like, <laughs> good. Like I mean, it's not a huge presence of the supporting players, but I mentioned Bo Bridges, uh, Lawrence Gillard, uh, D'Angelo Barksdale from The Wire, Lance Reddick, uh, his part. Lance Reddick, yeah, yeah, Lance Reddick coming in as uh, as one of the brothers. Brother Kareem. Kareem. Um, mm-hmm. And then you had the I, and I, I'm less familiar with the actor. He might be newer, but the guy that the other the other um, brother that's with them, uh, Jamal, I think, um, because he he has a little scene where he comes in to get everybody's autograph, and then he talks about being a Muslim. Yes, guy. he yeah, had yeah, just yeah. joined, kind of, mm-hmm. and he was I can't remember his name, but he he made he 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 was needed in that room. I think he was he was played by Christian uh, Magby. Yes, Magby. He was in that room for just a short amount of time. But he was the the kind of the comic relief, but also the tension releaser for the moment before right. it really got deep. Yeah, and I also feel as though that's that's like another great example of hey, by the way, um, this isn't a movie that's gonna be like hey, he's he's a Nation of Islam guy and he's gonna be like super by the books. It's like no, this guy, he's still a kid. He's still awed yeah. by like you know these people that are in this room. He wants an autograph and. Right. He's got some things to say because he doesn't he's he's fresh off the block kind of thing. But also mm-hmm. it it's not that kind of movie where he's like, oh, I'm going to just stand out of the door. It's like, oh, side character that we're never going to see again. No, he's got a really cool scene. And it's... there's a respect, too, because there's, there's there's something like some movies I like, even though I don't agree with what everything that the Nation of Islam says. But there's in times in in movies. There's a tendency when the director, you could tell the director is not a fan and they mm-hmm. use them as either robots, mm-hmm. you know, they're either really angry robots or almost comedic in terms of how they angry, only only comedically angry. And and mm-hmm. I liked how Regina King showed that, no, these are made up of, of just regular people. Right. And they're all different. Like Kareem might be. Yeah, he's the 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 hard ass kind of guy on it. Yeah. Like he's very militant with it. But then there's others who are not as militant, but they the system is what they needed. They needed that uh 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 they needed something to to go to, which is what right. we go back with Clash's Clay when he's talking to Malcolm. Like he needed that. <laughs> you know, that kind of kept his head on straight mm-hmm. when he needed it. So I mean, I liked how she wasn't afraid to show the nation yeah the nation did some there's some things that bad things that some of the people in the nation of islam did and she let that that's in the movie but they're also not a not just one thing and you got to see the positive things about the group as well because it did help to shape malcolm right and Mm -hmm. so um 
I liked that that was allowed to happen in the movie without making uh, decisions, you know, like not trying to tell people this is, you know, this is this and this is that. Like it, you got to see for yourself. It is interesting because you have to watch a character. I mean, you have to you have to watch a filmmaker and I assume Ken Powers in terms of their writing. You have to like have them mm-hmm. incorporate because because of how big of a religion specifically in Native Islam plays in this movie. You have to watch yeah. them incorporate that in a way that is not designed to criticize. It's designed to let you observe. And once right. again, that human factor comes in, like you're mentioning, right. as far as having Lance Reddick being more of the hard ass on this side, mm-hmm. where you have Jam- Jamal, I believe is the name. Um, you have him being, you know, a newbie and having a, a an attitude that's more, not flippant, but it's lighter by right. comparison. Sure. Right. And, and so, and then you, and then you have them interacting with them. You have like that scene on the rooftop. There is a what seems like it's a confrontation to the to the other brothers. They come in and they think they're gonna break up a fight, and Jim Brown is like, you know, go away. You, like he's trying to shoo them off and like right. take them with a level of not really respect, honestly. Like it, it seems clear no. that he has a very distinct perspective on what he thinks the Nation of Islam presents just by that one little yeah. move motion alone. Yeah, but I've been having and also that's my boy. Traps? Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's that tone of that's my boy, like get out right. of here, like you, you like okay, you you look at him like as a you know someone you have to protect, but listen, <laughs> this is family we're talking about here, like we don't need you to to come in and 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 treat me like I'm the outsider in the group, mm-hmm. yeah. like and and that happens too, like I you know that that whole situation, it's 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 real celebrity stuff, and I guess it helps that it probably did help Regina King being one for so many years. Right. That she's seen all these different levels of celebrity. Mm-hmm. And she's able to put that in the film because she's coming from that direction as opposed to someone who's never really felt that until, you know, just now and then coming in. You might miss those nuances if you don't live that. She's lived it since she was fifteen. Yeah. Being in you know, from being someone a newbie to to where she is now. So I think it helped to, for her to have the experience that she had. Uh, in terms of doing this movie. I agree. Yeah, that's definitely an excellent point. I think the other thing that I want to bring up super quickly is like, you know, we're talking about Jamal and, and um, his small role. Um, mm-hmm. and because this is a stage play, mm-hmm. everybody has something important to say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so what I love about the Jamal thing is like, yeah, it's kind of like a really fun, lighthearted scene. But at the end of it. I mean, it there's actually a point to his being there too right because mm-hmm. this is like where they're going to confront cassius with like hey you know like are you sure about this nation of islam thing it's like you know um because i like how he was just saying it's kind of like a gang and there's like they kind of exchange glances at the point and i'm just like this is incredible like you know yeah um you know again the writing so shout out to kemp but also not not or shout out to Regina too for not like going like let me super hard uh zoom in on somebody's face and be like see see <laughs> uh, so you know um all around team effort but also like again being on your game is one of the best things that you can have right. when you're having this kind of movie and knowing your history too because these 100%. are conversations we had <laughs> like is are they a gang are they not are they a group you know like right. these are conversations that were, were being had in the black community you know, mm-hmm. also like it wasn't just a one, you know, it wasn't it wasn't just others that they scared at first uh, yeah. in terms of the group. You just didn't know if, if you're not in it, you don't really know what's happening unless you, you interact with people that are in the nation. So, yeah, it, it definitely was that kind of 
uh, a lot of that kind of conversation happening between uh, people. And I like that we never get that full. We don't need it. We don't. It is not about that. Exactly. It's about these these guys. These, these, the, these the, men. The movie does a great job of not being exposition heavy as far as giving right. you an exact picture of who they are in all respects. There's a lot of there's a there's a bit of assumption as far as you understand that these people are important. Mm-hmm. That goes without saying for some, just based on how schools teach things. So it's like you're aware who who Malcolm X is for the most part. You're aware of who Muhammad Ali is because he's just bigger than life. Right. If you're more associated with things like music or or football, then you might have a better understanding of Jim Brown and Sam Cooke than than like everybody does but at the same time you still get i mean the movie provides you with a good opening context of who they are but again it doesn't like lay out like every single thing about them so you have it you know it's not giving you a book report on these characters it's right. giving you them as once again people which i think is a common mm-hmm. theme here that the humanization of all these guys is key to what makes this film work that said i want to move from the religion aspect of the film to the what you mentioned Dave, actually or daryl uh the celebrity aspect mm-hmm. um as far as what these people standing are because we can talk more about the sam cook aspect of the film and the way he and malcolm x challenge each other and we could once now get to the who is the best performance of this movie um but as opposed to what like cassius clay and malcolm x are going through as far as examining their you know how religion's playing a role in their life sam cook is in a position where he is he is very popular he has made a lot of money he performs largely for white audiences he has mm-hmm. become this acceptable man as far as being a black figure that can be popular for everyone, but largely for a white audience when it comes to that kind of music. And Malcolm wants to challenge him on that. He wants to say, well, sure, you're good at doing what you do, but why don't you do songs that are more thematically topical or challenging? Why aren't you you know, embracing things about who you are and bringing that to the people that so love you already? Mm-hmm. And, and we I, still have these conversations uh-huh. now. This yeah. is the Whitney conversation. This was the, you know, the Mariah Carey conversation. This is, these were things that were happening. Right. And I and I find that battle to be fascinating, especially when he pulls yeah. when, when Malcolm X pulls out the um the um Bob Dylan album and plays a song there, and it's like yeah. this white guy can do it. Like like why, where where are your songs of struggle? Mm-hmm. Where like what are you doing here? And that's why I think Sam Cooke, I think Leslie O. Jr gives the strongest performance like i and that's not to say that's not to disparage the others they're all doing great work but yeah, i think leslie uh-huh. oda jr I, his arc to me is the most fascinating because he's actually he could like, have been the villain yeah really and he i mean not saying it he is but the most conflict comes from the way he kind of rabble rouses uh when it comes to them being in this room as opposed to going mm-hmm. somewhere more fun and having these conversations because he's getting he's getting pointed out specifically and mm-hmm. it's neat to watch him realize that he's not wrong like i'm i am i'm not doing much for my part in this era where these are where there are a lot of you know specific figures that are doing a lot for civil rights and what have you right i'm just kind of here being successful and being a good example perhaps a good role model but am i really adding anything and i find that to be an interesting conflict of character for someone to have and he gets to sing a number of times, and he's really good at that, obviously. So, oh, I mean, it just, he has a lot of things he gets to do here. That just wait, wait, what, what, what has he done before? I've only seen him from the Nationwide commercials. Uh, I, th- I think he, uh, he, he sang some jingle jangles here and there. Oh, okay. Couple jingle things. Jangles. Got yeah, it. Couple a couple things. Um, one of the things I want to point out about that, that um, the Sam Cooke character, is that this is, again, a masterful stroke from Kent Powers, um, who I'm going to be throwing a piece of praise on. Just, just know that throughout this podcast, 
Kent Powers and 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 uh, um, Regina King, I'm gonna throw a massive praise on. But this is one of those things where um, it's a show don't tell kind of thing, and mm-hmm. but they also are kind of telling because the scene that I'm thinking about, the scene that you're talking about too, with the um, I was gonna say John Denver, but Bob, Bob Dylan. Dylan. Yeah, but the but the Bob Dylan uh, the song. Other John, John Denver. Yeah, what I, what I like about it a lot is that this is one of those things where, as a friend, you don't know all the things that might be going on unless you talk to somebody, um, unless mm-hmm. you talk to them and and figure it out. Because I like that that Malcolm X is coming at Sam Cooke and being like, "Hey man, this guy has like a number one record, and what are you doing?" And Sam Cooke counters and says like, "Hey, by the way." Uh, have you heard the Rolling Stones? Because I gave them a song, and now I'm getting royalties off of it because white people listen to that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting paid, and I also have a, I also own my masters, which is like, and I was like, oh, see, this is a masterful stroke in just that it's not just like, hey, let me preach to you, let me preach to the audience to some mm-hmm. degree too. It's like, hey, you know, you should be doing more things for like the black community, and you should be doing this and this and this. Look how great you can be, and it's like, no, I am also I'm I'm fully aware of like. I have my own agency. Like I, I know what I'm trying to do with my, my life, with my money. And then I think that the other part about it too is like, oh, you have opened something up because when they do get to, you know, more friendly terms and Malcolm X is like, hey, I want to go see your show in Boston. It's a great moment. You know, that's a great well, one of my favorite moments of the yeah. of the year, honestly. And also, yeah. and also into that scene when they talk about that, that's like, that's no small feat to own your own masters and 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 be black exactly uh-huh. at that yeah. time and own that and yeah. make money off of other people covering your music that is such a big thing See and if you, you don't know music if you don't know the business yeah it, it might not mean much to you but when you do like if someone who is in the bit explains to you what that means it that's basically a book like you you are just you are that guy. Like that is expl- that yes. is the amazing thing. That's the most that people can expect to do is be able to own and have white bands cover your music. Like right. that is a big, big deal. And when he throws that out there to Malcolm, he he didn't Malcolm ain't get, like I know you're great and all that and you did all that kind of stuff, but listen, but what but you could also do something else. Like that is that struggle yes. sometimes to, with with uh especially with friends who when one thinks the other is not doing enough it's like you almost feel sam cook just go i'm tired i'm done i cannot have this conversation with you again you can tell that they've had this conversation more than once Mm -hmm. um and and that set that up yeah and and just to finish up with the master thing so when he says that in the movie i was really taken aback too i was like oh shit that's amazing because to your point if you don't really know music then you know like it's not a huge deal it's just more like whoever owns the masters basically owns the rights and also gets like the large share of it i mean famously um the beatles sold their masters to michael jackson mm-hmm. um and then also just and it worked re- out right completely re- well and everybody was happy yeah, exactly yeah yeah fun. uh bobo the bobo of the chimpanzees uh, the, fa- the fab five is what they started calling them yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then but more famously re- or more recently um and famously um I can't remember. It, it was. I think it was. Uh, uh, what's her face? Tall white lady country singer turned pop. Swift. 
Yes, Taylor Swift. Yeah, she's just like, I'm going to re-record them because I want my own masters. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is a huge thing in music. Just like, oh, if yeah. you own the rights of your own songs, you can do whatever you want with them. But then otherwise, yeah. like, the record company takes like 70% of the of the buy of it. And just like, here. Yeah. At a time when it. they don't want you to have it. <laughs> exactly. They they, yeah. they, so they, well, incredible. sometimes at a point, they still don't want you to have it, uh, yeah. depending on companies, the way they go. Because uh, it's worth so much money. There's so many people selling catalogs now. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's a that was a big. I liked how that opened up that fight, that argument. It wasn't even a fight, but it was just an argument, just a struggle. Yeah. For, and, and they both want the same thing. Yeah, and again, that's like where I like the turning point to uh, back to Aaron's point of Leslie Jr.'s character, Sam Cook. It's just like, hey, you know, yeah, I get it. Like you are a pretty like business savvy guy, um, but also. You could be doing more things. And I think this is something that comes with age. Like mm-hmm. um, as, as we get older, you're just like because there's actually a really good line in this movie that that I kind of like took to heart because I think this is one of the things that that I've been thinking about, too, which is like, hey, you don't have to like wait till you're like rich and famous to do something to to do like to impact your community or impact like your um, friends and family. Like you could just do it as soon as you want to um and again that's like something that comes with like age and wisdom and and kind of like understanding that you know money's not the not not like the end-all be-all kind of thing um and being rich and famous isn't the end-all be-all although all these people are very you know to some degree rich and famous um well, but it's also no. about power right it's all, yeah. also about power that sam cook's power by doing that like that's that was such a uh, such a big uh, thing, and and how Malcolm, you know, the power that he was he was starting to get, like he was he was really growing in in that power. And then you you also have Jim Jim Brown, who was you know trying to move from I don't just want to be the 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 thug on the on the the field, <laughs> but I could also be so much you know I could I could be in movies and stuff and touching people that have never watched a game. Uh-huh. before like that all of that was in that and Cassius clay too like all of that it was all about that like it's just not the money and the fame but the power that we have where you know and that's when malcolm was really trying to get them to understand just how powerful he felt that they were yeah he looked up to them <laughs> like it, it, i think that that was such a vulnerable scene where you're thinking you know are you judging them and then and then when you realize no it's it's because i wish i could do the things that you guys can do right that and have that kind of power is is what uh uh sparked him to be so animate about you know like he should do more with his voice yeah it's it's interesting you point a you pointed out age all of these guys are at most in their 30s youngest in Mm -hmm. their 20s Mm-hmm. Well, Cassius Clay at this point is the youngest, I believe. He's only right. he's Think so. 22. Yeah. And what's uh, weird is like he definitely feels like it on the screen too. Right. For sure, he makes that he makes that stand out as far as just kind of the the way he speaks and talks about himself. <laughs> but um, right. but yeah. you have you have Malcolm and I assume, I think Malcolm's the oldest. I think Jim Brown might be, if not the same age, if not a little. Regardless, you know, Malcolm they're the is, elder. They're, they're the, the elder. elder, and Malcolm is mm-hmm. probably the most seasoned as far as what he's trying to communicate and what mm-hmm. he's like, what you just mentioned, Daryl, as far as what he's looking at these guys and seeing, and, which is why he, you know, starts this whole thing off to begin with. Um, he's like, I have an idea. And then the Avengers pops on screen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. He was visited by Nick Fury, the singer. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was in the trailer. There were, there yeah, was an idea. Was in there. <laughs> 
but I, I, it's, you know, there's a, there, there's a sense of tragedy in there as far as what's going to happen to Sam Cooke and Malcolm X fairly shortly after the events of this film. But regardless, the, the way that the, the, the thought that these guys are acknowledging these things and having this conversation, and again, you know, it's a fictionalized night or what have you, but the fact that they're at this point in their lives where they're able to, even at the young age that they are, they're able to recognize the kind of power they hold, the kind of mm-hmm. celebrity status they have, the standing they have, the place in history they're in. Um, yes, that comes through in heightened dialogue because it's a play and you have to kind of incorporate, your, the, the goal is to incorporate these ideas in a manner that is unique but also entertaining. But I still I still like that if you're going to present a film about these specific icons, um, that you're giving them a level of self-awareness as far as what, they, what they're representing in the world. But again, without them representing that as far as who they are on screen like they're still people right. they but they they get the they get where they are they understand that and mm-hmm. that's that's an interesting so many balance. people don't know about sam cook like that's the uh-huh, yeah. that's the other thing that's sad about it is there's so many people that don't get uh how important he is to to uh to music uh because he died so you know so soon like he, he was just on the cusp of doing yeah more uh if he was still alive but uh yeah, it it is it is an amazing it is an amazing thing for all of these all these figures. <laughs> They're actually figures <laughs> when you when you uh, think about it in history. Um, yeah. So it's amazing how they were able to make them all personable to us, the audience, as we're watching these guys, right. these men, these 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 friends talk to each other. Hundred percent, and you know, just to get into like the the casting and the the individual actors a little bit more too. Aaron, you you brought up Kingsley Benadire early on, and to be honest, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this one. You know, like I was like, I don't know. He he kind of looks like Malcolm. He's he's you know slim, and and they got him like light skin, and I'm like, yeah, they got the red hair. But like you know, I've seen Malcolm X by Spike by Spike Lee, and you know, where's the fire and brimstone? And this motherfucker like won me over like by the end of the movie. (laughs) Like I'm just like, holy shit, like. Because, you know, at first I was like, okay, he's got the mannerisms down. I get it. Like, the way that he crosses his legs and then he, the way that he puts his hand on his face, like, in thinking pose. And it's like, yeah, I get that. But then, like, where's, like, the, the meat and potatoes? And, again, by the end of the movie, I was like, I like this guy. Like, I relate to this guy. Like, not 100%, obviously, but really, like, damn. Like, what could have happened if he wasn't assassinated? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And like, what? Like, he's got a fucking family, and you know, like, mm-hmm. I felt I was like, dude, this guy was like having a conflict, and he's like, I think that they're, I think they're this, clearly Louis Farrakhan and and all those guys are like, you know, not really righteous anymore. Like, I get it. I get that they live in this this big ass house in Chicago. I've been there, and then like, you know, like there's just so much conflict and pain. Mm-hmm. And it really, like, to your point, you know, everybody's point here, it really helps you see more of just what you would have seen beyond in, again, a, a grossly mishandled movie. That's that's the thing that works really well, the balance, because, you're, you, I mean, the things you're saying about Malcolm, that's why there's a three-hour-plus movie about him, because there's so right. much you can dig into. Right. <laughs> At the same yeah. time, as you just mentioned, Daryl, Sam Cooke. Not as explored, not as explored no. cinematically for people mm-hmm. to have this kind of right. re- uh, reverence for him in the same way. So the fact that you can have a movie that brings both of these guys together and makes yeah. them basically the leads of this film, that's great. That's great to see a movie that can balance I both of these. can't wait for the, the Sam Cooke three-picture movie deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Wakes up Only in the ice. Only Leslie Odom Jr. plays him. 
Yeah. yeah. But it, it, it is great to see a movie that can both balance one that's so big as far as mm. awareness level and some one that's, you know, a much smaller circle as far as the Venn diagram goes and like make that work really yeah. well. Yeah. You know, but you can see it. You can see somebody going, oh, wow, Malcolm X, Jim Brown, you know, uh, uh, Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Sam Cooke. Hmm. You know, like if they don't know, like they, they can look and, and, and kind of, you know, and I think that's why he got that scene mm-hmm. in the movie where when he's unconscious, when 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 Malcolm X is talking about him, I think when Malcolm, you know, and that and it's more like a not just a, a someone who cares about you is talk, you know, he's being talked about by someone who cares about him, but someone who actually believes in him. Is yeah. talking about him like you almost see almost tears in his eyes as he's talking about that moment, you know, of him being on stage and how he was able to move that crowd. Like, I felt like I was on that stage looking at him and it it makes you even, and I knew about Sam Cooke's story and it made me go, wow, yeah, you're right. (laughs) He really was that. He was the balladeer. He could, he can control that stage uh, when he was on it. And then you feel even more regretful that that's all going to get taken away if you know history, right? It's a, it's a it's a great triumph moment too for that scene because of how it opens how you get the scene mm-hmm. the Copacabana scene where he bombs um so so getting a you know getting this scene here that is not only him like doing a good job but doing a good job in spite of the problems presented from a technical standpoint so he has to like build that into build build a beat out of nothing and make it all like it's just really nice to see mm-hmm. <laughs> like as far yeah. as far as the as far as the little triumphs you know that's another thing uh something that a friend of the show robert daniels tweeted last night about the film uh um, yeah but <laughs> yeah, <Bob. laughs> um he he noted how the film um what it what it does really well is present a a movie about historical black figures that has like very little stakes like this is a movie about conversations and yeah. people having yeah. trying trying to kind of you know, per, convey an opinion and what they want on the other, and see if they can agree. It's mm-hmm. not about you know, it's not about slavery. It, no. It's not. It's not about some massive speech that needs to be given that's going to change the right. world. Right. It's about four friends that are having a conversation in a room, right. and yeah, you don't. You, and and what 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 uh, what Robert specifically mentioned was that you don't get to see that very often in black film. No, you don't. Yeah, because so you have I, to I make the film that's going to do the. Because they, you you so scared you're never gonna get another chance that you have to go for the you have to go for the stars right. in the first movie you can't do a quiet kind of film yeah. yeah and and you know I know that none of us are thinking that Regina King didn't do a good job but like to I did think about like well if this was in the hands of like a white director I was like this is a terrible movie <laughs> like there well, one that is, doesn't understand the, yeah uh, like yeah. like you know we we saw Hillbilly Elegy last year Aaron and like you know that's like a white guy doing a a white character story movie like in the hands of the wrong person again like not even like somebody who's like junior like a a new up and coming director Mm. or it's like hey here's like an established white director like let's make this movie in the 90s you know and let's have some guy do it right you would have like what you just talked about there Aaron like oh there's like this speechify moment where all of a sudden the lights go dim and Malcolm X is like preaching be like, you see, this is what we could have like done accomplished together. It's like, this is not that movie. And no. I'm not saying that, no. that there aren't moments like that in this movie, but again, 
what I like about this is to back to your point, Daryl, of like the tennis match. Yo, Malcolm X plays that that uh, Bob Dylan record. Leslie Odom's like, so what? I've heard it. I like this song. You don't think I heard this song that's like right. across all the, the pop stations? Again, like Kemp Powers is like masterful. And it's like, this is not one sided. Everybody here is a pro. Like they're mm-hmm. all all stars. They all have and a so point. And so you're not going to catch anybody like mm-hmm. off guard. Like the only time that you catch somebody off guard is like another thing that you pointed out, which is like, you don't even have a job. And he's like, he's like, just like <laughs> kind of staggering back. He's like, I, I, I kind of really don't. He's like, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> but then, you know, it's like, there's just so much master craftsmanship going on in here, so that's why this movie is is incredible. It's always neat to see um, scenes involving characters referencing things that they did in in, in like life, as <laughs> more like yeah. things that we know. Yeah. So like having a scene of Malcolm X being like addressing how he regarded the death, the assassination of, of of Kennedy. It's like it's that's a neat that's neat to see a different perspective of that, where like they quote the line at him that he said as far as chickens coming home to roost mm-hmm. and Malcolm X has to defend himself. It's like, I, you know, I was trying to make a point. It maybe didn't land the way I want. Like, it's just, it, that's a neat, like, it's neat to see like commentary on stuff that's well known and like yeah. have a film right. dissect that. Like, I, And I, it's I, a Twitter I, conversation now. It's yeah, crazy. basically. It's yes. like, <laughs> you can see that happening a million times now. Like, why did you post, post that? And it's like, that's not what I meant. But it's like, <laughs> But they all call him on it. You were wrong for saying it the way you said it. Like, you know, yeah, it was a, it was a really I really liked that that scene. Yeah, it really worked. And then, you know, just to jump off of that, too, there there are scenes in here that that um, are shot just the way that the photographs are, are photographed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, toward the end there, when they're at a diner, um, and Mac is behind the bar. And, and taking photos of of uh the crew there it's like there there's an actual photo of that it's like yeah. so it, it kind of like wraps up in a nice way uh in that yes we're also friends but also again like we're all gonna diverge paths here um just very shortly too mm-hmm. uh and i just cannot credit the movie enough for the way that it, it ends like it ends incredibly powerfully like i'm not saying that as like a critic kind of thing more just like the way that you can fold in a song that means a lot at a time in which, you know, we're not going to get more Sam Cooke with what's going to happen to Malcolm X. And then, like, yes, Jim Browning and Malcolm X, or Muhammad Ali are, are, are there too, but it's like we, we've discussed that Malcolm X and Sam Cooke are, are probably the driving forces in this movie. Like, just the way that it ends is like, I don't know. It, it was like, sad but also it was melancholy and, and also like hopeful and uplifting at the same time too. it is it is because mm-hmm. i mean yes yeah. there's there's tragedy coming for two of these characters but muhammad ali is going to continue being the greatest essentially mm-hmm. despite various things that happened to him there's right. gonna his legacy is not going to be tarnished after this movie um mm-hmm. and and then um and jim jim brown becomes a, i mean He's he doesn't play like an A-list star necessarily, but he he becomes a successful movie actor. Like he he's in a like the Dirty Dozen's coming pretty soon for him at this point. Yeah, which is, which is a big step for his career as far as right. being a, a constant screen presence. Like they, and I mean, and talking yeah, about business, there are there just real yeah. quick. There are there are Jim Brown has said other things more recently. That are a little, oh. <laughs> but, um, sure, but, but it but I guess there's a kind of a. Because Jim Brown, I guess, is one of the older ones, but even though he's still in his 30s, like there's still the hopeful thing is like there's this younger generation during this time, especially at least during the civil rights movement when it's still kind of 
having a greater impact on how things are changing or whatnot. You have these guys that are going to go on and live and have a part to play in all of that. Mm-hmm. And they're not perfect, and they w- and they mm-hmm. will make mistakes throughout their lives too. Yeah. Like, they're not angels that are just gonna, you know, do all greatness and then that's it. Like, yeah, yeah. their vices, ki- some of their vices get them killed, which is, you know, the Sam Cooke, you know, like right. they, they go to that too, where, you know, women, that, that is something that, you know, he gets, he gets caught up in that and it, and it adds to his downfall and, you right. know, and they get into, you know, a lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of those things are in the movie. It's all ingrained in, you know, that, right. that, that these people have gone through these things. But you can't take away the the what awesome things they've done. And that's why they're still, you know, again, historic figures uh, yeah. in the world. The, uh, um, do we, we mention the music at all? I mean, there's obviously a number of source, really. source tracks, but Terrence Blanchard does the score here. And I think there's a kind of jazzy, which makes sense as Terrence Blanchard, but there's a, no. there's a jazzy riff that kind of goes throughout this thing that mm-hmm. I think, uh, plays to its advantage. And I mean, as much as we're talking about the, you know, the topics these guys are discussing, it's frequently pretty funny. Like it has it a lot is. of, yeah, it has of a lot of like lot spark, of spark to the dialogue or whatnot. The, the confrontations are generally, you know, balanced with, little witticisms or just things Cassius Clay says because he's Cassius Clay. Um, <laughs> so it's it like, and it's, you know, it's, an, it's what an hour and 50 minutes or something without credits. And like, it, it moves like it's, it, it moves. doesn't feel that. Yeah, I was like, yeah. it does not feel like that at mm-hmm. all. It feels like an hour and a half kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on one night? I think we've talked about it plenty as far as covering all the aspects of it. But yeah. I, I mean, like just in terms of like, um, uh, of, uh, Costume design, excellent costume design. Yeah, everybody's yeah, everybody's looking yeah. dapper. This is a good looking yeah. movie. Everybody's looking good. Yeah. Oh my god, it, I I totally felt like I was in that time for sure. Yeah. I was like, you know that that nice like maroon suit that that Sam Cook is wearing. Mm-hmm. It's a nice suit. <laughs> that one scene that's striking to me is when Jim Brown is just driving to Bo Bridges uh, like races farm or whatever. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, just him, just him like he's he's you know he's dressed. He's dressed well enough, and he has like the nice convertible and everything. It's just like a nice like for a, for a movie that's largely confined to rooms. That's a nice outdoor sequence of like here's a guy driving in the yeah. '60s, and it looks nice. Well, there there's like in that same scene at the end of that scene, there's like that beautiful shot where he pulls up and mm-hmm. the sun. They they position the camera so that the sun is like behind the the uh, that willow tree or or weepy tree, and it's like this is a beautiful shot. <laughs> so there's a lot of cinematography here for cinematography buffs as well. Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. Oh, that farm. Yeah, racist farm. <laughs> it's just funny how we all counted down how long it's exactly. be before I was like, he says something totally disrespectful. Yeah, like, I was like, wait. maybe it's going to be the lemonade? Like, yeah. Is there going to be only one glass? <laughs> when is it now? When is it? It's like, yeah. wait, it's not coming? It's not coming? Oh. There it is. That piece of shit. <sighs> we signed with him an hour ago exactly. when you were talking with the black fella. <laughs> Uh-huh. Jerry Maguire. Anyway. With that in mind, uh, when should people go and see this movie? I mean, I said it before. This is a this is this would be a theater movie, maybe even IMAX, I don't know. Um yeah, well, I don't it, know, it is actually in some theaters that are actually open. There you go. And so. then I would definitely say that you should watch this like immediately you know, it's not a Q movie, you should just like turn it on Amazon Prime and watch it. 
Yes, for sure. And then watch it again in the summertime if you're not in a hot state. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. <laughs> I I agree. I uh, I noticed on. I mean, I think Amazon's pretty proud of the film that they're releasing. I I put it on their. I I put on like their their, you know, the Prime, and it's like just bannered like all over yeah. the place. Oh, all it's over like the place. Very easy to pick up and watch. And yeah, I don't. I mean, especially we're recording this the day before Martin Luther King Day. I don't see a better time to watch a movie like this. Exactly. So, uh, do it exactly. right away because it's great. Uh, yeah. It's it's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, that's been our we did review it. Of, of One Night in Miami. I think yeah. we're all pretty favorable on the film. Um, with that said, let's uh, let's move on to Abe. What um, what time is it here? Oh, Aaron, I think it's time for a quick game here. Oh. Little known fact: Aaron was gonna play that as the Johnny Carson show jingle for the movie, nice. but you know, Regina was like, "No, I'm gonna stick with the historical song." I, I sent in a tape, and you know Terry Blanchard uh, just <laughs> shot you down. Shot me down. Just <laughs> yeah. wasn't into it. Um, but I do have a game for you guys. It is called "Quote Like a Butterfly, Sting Like a Correct Answer." Mm, okay. Oh. How do I play this game? Uh, thank you for asking. I am going to read a series of quotes that are all from either Jim Brown, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, or Muhammad Ali, oh. and you have to identify which of these four characters it is. Okay. Got it. Now, this is why it was difficult because Malcolm X is—he has a lot of very notable quotes. Yes. <laughs> so does so does Muhammad Ali. That's true. Given, given the rhythm of what things that he says, so trying are to you find gonna say it in that rhythm or just no, I'm not going to because I don't want to give it okay. away. But I'll just say right. trying to find quotes that were just ambiguous enough but not too ambiguous was a challenge. <laughs> but, okay. um, sure. Like I start, I started doing this game with Jim Brown and Sam Cooke, and I'm like, oh, these were easy to find, and then the other one's like, this is a little more difficult to narrow down. <laughs> yeah. Oof. If you start saying that you're pretty, I'm gonna know who it is. Exactly. <laughs> it gives it away. Yeah. Well, Sam Cooke. Do- we're going to do this. If you feel you know the answer, shout out your name and then the answer. Okay. Okay. Here we go. First quote. Success is not only for the elite. Success is there for those who want it, plan for it, and take action to achieve it. Abe. Abe. Malcolm X. Incorrect. Daryl mm. for the steal. Uh, Sam Cooke? Incorrect. It was Jim Brown. Oh, Jim wow. Brown. That's right. Okay. Here we go. Need a a beer. (laughs) Here's the next one. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. I mean, Abe. Abe, Come on now. I feel like that's Malcolm X. (laughs) That that is Malcolm X, yes. That was a gimme. I was like, uh, I don't want to be wrong twice. (laughs) (laughs) It's too easy. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's wrong. Is he trying to throw me off with his voice? I think he was. Here's the next one. Make sure when anyone tackles you, he remembers how much it hurts. Oh, Jim Brown. I'll, I'll give it to you. I can't say your name. <laughs> but yes, it's oh, Jim Oh, sorry. I just it's all right. It's all right. I took the mic. My bad. No, you're fine. I, and I, you know, I said the word tackle thinking, well, maybe they'll think it's Jim Brown, but maybe they'll double guess, they'll double guess themselves like it's too yeah. easy. It's like, <laughs> oh, I, I remember that's, that that's line. Actually what I did. That's, <laughs> hence the pregnant pause. Here we go. If they can make penicillin out of moldy bread, they can sure make something out of you. Abe. Abe? Process of elimination, you haven't said Sam Cooke yet, so Sam Cooke. It's not Sam Cooke. Mm. 
If they can make Pacillin out of moldy bread, they can sure make something out of you. Uh, I think it's... Ooh, is it, uh... Is it Cassius Clay? It is, it is. It is Cassius Clay. Oh. I was gonna, I was gonna ask for a, uh, a brownie point win, and I was gonna say Cassius Clay, Michael Max, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Muhammad Ali. Here we go. Next one. Mm-hmm. This is... <laughs> I don't know much about history, don't know much about biology, don't know much about a science book, don't know much about a French I took. I didn't know that you were going to be quoting song lyrics as... I mean, I that was Kareem, right? Say it. Yeah, that was definitely... Yeah. Is that Taylor Swift? Someone say the answer for the point. <laughs> go ahead, Daryl. Right. Sam Cooke. Uh, <laughs> but Kareem could have said it, though. Could have. <laughs> All right. Can you do it in your Sam Cooke voice? Don't know much about history. <laughs> Don't know much biology. All right. Now you gotta do the dance. I was dancing. I was standing. Okay. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> I could I could I could definitely see you dancing. All right. If you have no critics, you likely have no success. Hmm. Hmm. Abe. Abe. Malcolm X. It is Malcolm X. Oh. I'm on the Malcolm X train. You're on the Malcolm X train, yeah. You too. Add that to the, to the uh, winner circle. What's weird is like, now I've heard Malcolm X plenty of times. I've heard Denzel as Malcolm X plenty of times too. So my mind tends to go to him saying things as Malcolm yeah. X. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Here we go. Here's the next one. Don't count the days. Make the days count. Mm. Mm. Uh, Abe. Abe. Aaron's dad. In- incorrect. Okay. Seems, <laughs> sounds like something a dad would say. <laughs> uh, I'd like to say Abe. three of these guys are fathers. Oh, that's true. Um, Malcolm X? Incorrect. It was Muhammad Ali. Damn, he's oh. the next one. He was going to be the next one. Don't count the days. Make the days count. That's true. <laughs> Here we go. I was born by the river in a little tent, and just like the river, I've been running ever since. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Abe. Abe. Sam Cook. It is Sam Cook. I knew it. Yes. All right. Here we go. It isn't the mountain ahead to the. Bleh. It isn't the mountains ahead to climb that wear you out. It's the pebble in your shoe. Ooh. Oh. I mean, that's a great point too, by the way. Yes. Uh, I tried to choose nice quotes that are like nice life affirming things. Great, yeah, <laughs> hmm. Uh. I Abe. Abe. Jim Brown. Incorrect. Mm. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to try to steal it. Uh-huh. Malcolm X? Is Muhammad Ali. What? Uh, man, what it, a wise man. It I isn't know. the mountains ahead to climb that wear you out. It's the pebble in your shoe. Wow, yeah, it's true. I can definitely hear him saying that now. Yeah. Here we go. Three more. Okay. I don't deal in frustration. I'm a fighter, and everything I've ever gotten, I've had to fight for. <laughs> I feel like you're throwing us off with this one. I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe I am. <laughs> Abe, Jim Brown. 
It is Jim Brown, you guys. Yes! <laughs> I was like, yeah, it never sounds like a Muhammad Ali quote, but yeah, but know. it can't be that either. Yeah. You want to do two of them in a row? <laughs> okay. Bragging is when a person says something and can't do it. I do what I say. Oh, I know this one. Yeah. Sam Cook. It's not Sam Cook. What? Uh, Abe. Abe. Sam Cook. What? Sam Cook. We're Darryl's both wrong. <laughs> I want us to be both wrong. <laughs> if if Daryl can't have the point, none of us will have the point. That's right. It's it's Muhammad Ali. Mutiny. Oh, oh okay. wow. Bragging is when a person says bragging is when a person says something they and can't do it. I do what I say. That's the most Muhammad Ali. Well, out of the two, because Sam Cooke was, was was pretty... Uh... Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard Jim Brown in a while, but I guess it was probably more of a Howard Ali quotes. Well, they're both the most, uh, I would say, uh, uh, boastful. Boastful, Sam Cooke and, yeah. and Muhammad Ali. No one told me about boasting. Mm-mm. Okay, here we go. I don't know how to spell it. <laughs> you don't have to be a man to fight for freedom. All you have to do is be an intelligent human being. That's a great quote. By the way, like just like one for one. Mm-hmm. Hey, Abe. Abe. Malcolm X. It is Malcolm X. You got all the Malcolm X quotes. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Malcolm X, man. He got you. Uh... <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, this was a good game. Daryl, you came in second place. You did a good job. But Abe, you are the winner this week. Thank you. Thank you. Daryl, good job. I I, I bring Daryl up on my podium as, as take Thank photos. You, you know who really... Hard. You know who really won, though? Ooh. America? All of us. Okay. All of us. <laughs> <laughs> no, America didn't win. Don't yeah. say that. The audience won. That's who won. Oh, the audience won. Okay. They, yeah. got to, they got to learn a lot of great quotes. Take that, Adam Gentry and Terrence Johnson. You both won. <laughs> you too, Marcus Robinson. <laughs> and Mark Hoban. He listens. And Mark Hoban. <laughs> and Chris uh, Cleland. <laughs> <laughs> writing in all your feedback every week. Thank you for that. We love that. Anna, you win all the time, of course, as well. So, okay. That's you, sure. <laughs> that was our game. Great Let's, game. Uh, Thank you so much. I, I had fun putting it together. I'm happy it came out. I was worried to be too easy, so I was happy there was something. I was, I was hoping that you'd throw in like an Aaron quote at the end there. I thought about doing some more fun ones just to throw you guys off. No, just but I just one last to. one as like an Aaron quote. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> I would have done something like from like Weird Al, like the, just the whitest person I could do. <laughs> <laughs> just eat it. Um, who is Weird Al? <laughs> All right, let's do a little on now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where I go over the various questions answered on our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash shout now podcast. We asked a number of questions for the listeners and they gave us answers. I will say, it's been a bit of a down week. I'd like to think that there's just a lot going on and I can understand that. There but is. make sure to uh, tune into our Facebook. Every Friday and Saturday, there's going to be a series of questions on there. Uh, you can feel free to throw in any answers you want because we like to have a lot of fun listener feedback because you guys are just as much a part of the show as we are. So. Be interested in top of them? Okay. Exactly. All right. So uh, so we're going to go through some of these. We only got so many answers, so feel free to throw your guys' answers in as we go through them. Of course. Yeah. First question is, what are your favorite films featuring notable black figures in history? I mean, Malcolm X is going to be my default uh, answer. Yeah. <laughs> Malcolm X is is a uh, fantastic movie. Selma's really good, too. I watched Selma not too long yes. ago, actually. Selma is very good. Yeah. It's not a full-length film, and it's actually just read in Reading Rainbow, but I love the uh, the story <laughs> of John Henry uh, being read in, in Reading Rainbow. 
there's a I guess this, this qualifies more for the next question, so I'll just come to it right now. Mm-hmm. What are some What are some of your favorite performances when it comes to historical black characters in film? I, I've already noted Denzel, but I will say the Chadwick Boseman Chronicles of um, forty two <laughs> of forty of Jackie Robinson. Get on up, uh, mm-hmm. get on up with him as as uh, James Brown, Thurgood Marshall, and of course T'Challa. Uh, there, I mean there, <laughs> but no specifically. <laughs> specifically though, I do think James. I mean, as much as I like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and I think he's fantastic in it, I do yeah. think um, his James Brown performance is just as good and underrated. Because uh, that movie just got a guy. Oh, I have watched that movie so many times, and it's, it's not even that the movie's great. It's just that his performance in that movie is yeah, so good. It's so good. Like, that movie came out, like, in August of that mm-hmm. year, and so it just felt like it just kind of got swept under the rug. Yeah, it did. I, right. But it, but it's a really, I mean, I like the movie quite a bit, but, it, yeah, the performance is shine. I mean, it's not, e- just like it's not easy to play Malcolm X or Muhammad Ali, people that are so lively and big. James Brown is the biggest guy. <laughs> like, he, he is such a big character. So to play that and to do it well, to dance and to sing and all that, in addition to like adding drama to it, it's re- it's a really stunning performance that Chadwick Boseman gave as James Brown that just does not get nearly enough credit. Yeah, I also like you know bringing the back to One Night Miami. There was like a, a scene or that when Malcolm X is talking about the scene in Boston and he talks about the 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 first performer that brings on Sam Cooke. Uh, he describes him in such a way. I was like, yeah, I, I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I guess James Brown might have been doing that too, but you know, good performance. Yeah. Um. Hmm. What other favorite performances of historical black characters in film? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely uh, T'Challa. He's black panther. <laughs> Um, I mean, like, Chiwetelle Ejiofor 4 is very good in 12 Years a Slave. Uh, there's a number yes. of, like, slavery movies I can name. In the, <laughs> in the same I, yeah, I know. There was know. actually, like, this is what made me kind of, like, uh, cringe, uh, but it was also a great point. There was, like, a tweet on Twitter. It's like, oh, to celebrate Black History Month, and then they have all these movies of slave movies, like, screen caps of, like, slave movies. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. not great. So... Um, uh, what is it? The, um, those, those couple of movies, um, Hidden Figures... Um, yes. Oh yeah. Lutaraj yeah. B. Henson and yes. Spencer and Monet. Like and your all favorite male actor, Kevin Costner. Yeah, he 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 beats up a bathroom sign and says it's okay. <laughs> Racism right. over in NASA. That's exactly. That's what he does. I didn't see any racism in Apollo 13. That was like you know, 30 years later. Yeah, there's just a picture of Kevin Costner. <laughs> <laughs> memorial the, this is the moment when kevin costner ended racism in nasa uh what's the bathroom yeah the other one that's another oscar for uh ruth nega in um loving loving, yeah. loving. oh right. i haven't seen that in a long time great trailer wow. very understated performance um i mean i've been talking about small acts plenty so the like all of Mangrove, the Sean Parks mm-hmm. in there, and among other, Letizia Wright and the, the other actors. Like, there's just a strong ensemble cast uh, as far as recency goes. I mean, we can keep going with this. So let's go yeah. to the next question. Well, the next question is, what are some great films about revolutionaries? Um, and are you talking about revolutionaries, the people, Aaron? Or are you talking about revolutionaries, like a revolution? Like, like historical figures that are okay. that like led revolutions. Got it. Yeah. Or the band's Re- Rebellution. Reb- Rebellution. 
Uh, Griffin's about revolutionaries. Uh, I guess you could say the Star Wars saga, but um, <laughs> but honestly, I think that there's it's it's a documentary I saw it in college, but there was like one about the Berkeley free speech movement. Mauro Savio is like this college kid, but I was like I would never have spoken that way when I was, I I mean I have been that kid. I have been like 18, 19, 20, 21 in college. I never spoke that way, and just to think that this guy was like definitely ahead of his time kind of fell off the face of the earth, kind of died like quietly kind of thing. But it's like, that guy was probably an alien. Um, but he, he had a lot of great things to say about, you know, um, humans and, and also about like there are our role in like the war in Vietnam and, and all the other stuff. But yeah, Ron, Mario Savio, it's, it's a documentary I saw like in a class in, in college. I can't remember the name of it though. Say the name again. I can see if I can find it real quick. Mario Savio. I mean, you can just watch YouTube clips of him as well. But in any case, um, I'm just I'm just trying to see if I can find that documentary. Yeah, it might have been like a mixture of things. Um, other great movies about revolutionaries. Um, hmm. Morpheus in the Matrix. Yeah, that guy is like asking you to take pills. Especially yeah, especially reloaded when he gives the um the warrior speech in Zion. Can you dig it? Tita says yeah. that to all of Zion, and they all start like, <laughs> now like, let's dance. Before, after they start partying. It's before. Like, That's how they get it. He gets them riled up, and they're like, this is so amazing. We're going to take down the red machines. Now let's dance. And they all That's dance. Right. Let's and have this one. like giant dance orgy. And it's and it's super fun, and the music's great, and everyone's like, we're complaining about this because we're bored of black people dancing on screen. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but we'll watch, we'll watch Footloose over and over again. Um, <laughs> Speaking of revolutionaries, he brought, he brought dancing back to that town. <laughs> He did. You're right. He did. In your he face, did. John Lithgow. <laughs> Take that, Kevin Bacon's weird dad. Was well, not his dad. He he's, he's new in town. He's John Lithgow. Oh, he's oh, the preacher. Was, he comes in. Yeah. Uh, Benicio del Toro and Che. I was gonna bring that up, but I was like, you know, two parter. I don't know if I actually even finished it. That's <laughs> an answer. <laughs> True, 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 true. It all works out in the end. I think that's the message of change. Oh, okay, got it. All right, okay. It worked out for that country. <laughs> Berkeley in the 60s? Might have been. That's one document. I mean, like, yeah. In any case. Um, okay. I had one more. Uh, Warren Beatty and Reds. Uh, and and um and Woody Allen and Bananas. Those are my revolutionaries. Okay. <laughs> What's the next question? What are some great films about characters stuck in one room? Hmm. Hmm. That I mean, Larson one in that room. Room. <laughs> yeah, room. <laughs> Go for a quick, easy one. Captain Marvel. Won an Academy Award for it. Yeah. Um. Twelve Angry Men. Oh, yeah. that is so angry. I know. Because I the, mean, what were they be, doing there? Like trying well, to be, solve like a murder case? Something like that. <laughs> uh, you know, one of one of Adam Arab's favorites, uh, Identity. Um, Identity is a fun one, but <laughs> that's more of a hotel. But yes, they're right. well, they're in one location, I suppose. <laughs> in his mind. <laughs> um, Actually, yeah, you're you know what? Come to think of it, <laughs> it is basically one room. <laughs> if you think of it that way. It's such a bad movie, but it's good. It's a good movie. That's not a bad movie. It's a fun movie. <laughs> uh, other movies about uh, being in one room. I mean, 
you know, we, we've talked about this a lot too, like throughout the years, but Tarantino kind of tends to write some things as like stage plays. Uh-huh. So you could say that like um, hey, Hateful Eight is a one room yeah, Hateful movie Eight for the most part. It's a great one with like a secret trap door. Um, and I, I tend to think of like um, Reservoir Dogs sort of like as as like a one room type thing because it mostly takes place in a garage or like it is a it is a um, a funeral parlor like the oh is that where they are? It's like a it's like there's, oh, it's like what? a lot of it's like coffins and um. What's the car called? Hearse. It's like I've it's never like, even noticed that. I yeah, guess that's, I, that's, that's the location they're in. It's a place that's full of like coffins and hearses. Huh. Like it's a like a like a delivery port for a. Yes, it parlor. makes sense for that to be a drug place. <laughs> there's no drugs. There's just, just their meeting point for yeah, the diamonds. Point, yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> fucking dying. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm well, deformed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a cop. I let's, know. Let's just do reservoir lock. <laughs> um, you, you must be I a big just... Lee Marvin fan. I love that guy. <laughs> By the way, I didn't know that the voice of um one of the big heavies in Reservoir Dogs, he is. Oh man, I just I just lost the voice that he's he does for a cartoon. Anyway. Uh, no, no, clarify that. I'm not leaving that there. <laughs> Hold on. Here, you keep talking while I look up like Michael Madsen or what? <laughs> yeah, is it Billy Madsen? Michael Madsen? No, no, not Michael Madsen. Not it's the guy, the old guy, um, Lawrence, Lawrence Tierney. Lawrence Tierney? Yeah, but he does a voice for a uh, movie Lawrence that. Oh, Don Bra- he's, he's the voice of the security guard in the Simpsons episode where, where Bart shoplifts Bone yeah. Store. Yeah, it's like one of his last things he did, too, I believe. Yeah. He, he died shortly. <laughs> I, never, I never knew that until I laid it up when I watched the episode recently. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> sorry for the tangent. <laughs> I love the Simpsons. All right. What's, what's the next question? The next question is, what are some great film debuts from female directors? Adam Gentry from the show has Lady Bird. Uh, Chris Cleland has Chocolat, uh, Revenge, and Raw. Uh, Marcus Robertson's number one film. Wait, Chocolat. Oh, Choc. Wait, Chocolat or Chocolate? Chocolat. Uh, like Chocolat. Chocolat. I mean, Chocolat is It could be the uh, the blind uh, ninja warrior. That's what I'm thinking. That's the movie Chocolate. Yeah, it, there's no is, e. Shock, Chocolat yeah. is yeah I know Chocolat is last a Halstrom like that, yeah and that that involves a lot of like innuendo with chocolate and Johnny yeah. Depp mm. um so it might be chocolate the the blind uh female assassin ninja warrior lady or there's another movie called Chocolat that I don't even know about yeah it could be or maybe I'm I'm just mispronouncing it it could just be like Chocolat wait <laughs> hold on there's a 2016 movie. Called Chocolat, starring Omar Sy. Oh, oh, from from Rashadi. From no, that's a man too. What's going on here, Chris? Uh-huh. What are you doing Explain to us? Explain yourself. <laughs> Explain yourself. Anyway, Lady Bird should have. Uh, uh, Lady Bird's a great answer, and also um, Laura. Uh, Laurie Metcalf should have won Best Actress. Best Supporting Actress. Yeah. Best Supporting Actress. The chocolate thing's really th- messing me up. It really, th- yeah, it really throws for a loop here. Chris, I don't understand. Yourself, sir. 
Well, um, we expect we're expecting it because we know that you write in every week. The Virgin Suicides. There you go. Coppola. It's <laughs> a good movie. <laughs> All right. Next All right. question. Along with One Night in Miami, the documentary MLK FBI is out on VOD. What are some great documentaries that tackle similarly related topics or events? Mm, this is a heavy question. Yeah. Uh, 13th. The uh, Duvernay. Oh, yeah. Ava Duvernay. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen MLK FBI, but I've heard good things. Have you guys both seen it? Which one? MLK, MLK FBI. FBI. It's a, yeah. it's it's mm-hmm. very good. Okay. Um, it's it's worth it, it's worth seeing for everybody as far as okay. seeing a lot of footage of Martin Luther King, seeing a lot of stuff about how the government, the FBI, was very much trying to silence Martin Luther King. Um, speaking of revolutionaries, mm-hmm. um, but uh, and it just has a lot of a lot of great. It does it without doing like talking head stuff for the most part. Like it has a lot of archival footage and audio clips, but not. Like, oh, that's great! I like but, that. But yeah, it's yeah. not focused on like you know somebody from now being like, and then Martin did it. Like it's not doing right. that kind of thing. Yeah, take that night stalker on Netflix. <laughs> Piece of shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I've heard mixed reviews on Night Stalker. I'm just like, you know, there's a lot of there's too much talking heads, and they're really making this like they're making every every uh, flashback scene too grisly. And I was like, I haven't seen it yet, but you know, I'm I'm glad the guy got caught. Did he get caught? No, he's still out there. No, Don't visit. He's out there. <laughs> Is he really out there? Now I'm fucking scared. Well, that's the point. <laughs> Yikes. All right. Uh, the last question is, this week has lockdown on HBO Max. Uh, we previously had Songbird come out. How do you feel about films that are set within the context of the pandemic? Uh, Chris uh, writes, absolutely fine as long as they are good. I mean, yeah. That's, that's my answer, too, generally. Yeah. That's my mm-hmm. takeaway, because I think Songbird was one of the worst films of last year, but I liked Lockdown, which I watched with uh, 2SL G4 and Anne Hathaway. Um, I have to save that to watch with someone else, so I can't watch it yet, damn it. <laughs> it just it feels like there are ways to do this sort of thing where you exploit the topic, mm-hmm. and, there are way, and there are ways where you use it as... Basically We're in like a, a pandemic, t- man. Basically like a tool. Yeah. Um, so, it, and, you know... And I don't look forward to more that are using it as like Songbird does, as far as kind of a way to exploit it. But I do look forward to seeing innovation being done because of the pandemic. What do you mean by exploit it in Songbird? I, I haven't I haven't heard of Songbird. It presents this like scenario where it's like it's COVID twenty three and <laughs> oh, you mean like a, a future version of it? It's a future they're, version, but like it's coming you, to it, get us. It's using yeah, it's using it as a way to like. Yeah. Promote certain I, ideas I as far as I was sick of the trailer. Movies. I was offended yeah. by the trailer. <laughs> yeah, uh, it I wasn't a fun. It, it wasn't a fun watch. No. Was, yeah, because no. I, I, I was gonna say like, well, knowing that 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 still doesn't affect my answer because like what I was gonna say is like this is definitely you know how do I feel about it in the context of uh, movies like this is something that we can't gloss over like you know if mm-hmm. it, if it's gonna be it, it's like you know people mentioning 9/11 now in movies it's like it is it's something that happened. So I'm I'm totally okay with like people acknowledging it because there's you know it happened for such a long time in our lives too and it's still happening. Um, yeah, it's still. I mean, yeah, we're gonna. So it's like it's we're not gonna have like, to deal with this. Yeah, it's such a had such a glo- it's had such a global effect where it's like how do you make movies that way? Some TV shows are acknowledging it full force um, that it has it has 
it's part of like their storyline now. Yeah, they give uh, you one sad episode and then they go, we're going to fast forward. <laughs> that's, that's basically what they've done. Three shows have done that so far. Yeah, Returning. maybe this explains Elf. Could be. Well, that's the premise <laughs> of like that Ted Dan the Mr. Mayor one, right? It's like that exists in yeah. a time where LA's gotten past it. <laughs> it's had a mayor. It it does. It I do like that show, but there's a the scene with the mayor who quits because he's like, uh-huh. oh, we're gonna take care of the qu- oh a, a volcano, and they keep whispering the volcano just blew up and the all the vaccines are gone, and then he's like, all right, we're gonna do, and then they're like, no, they just blew up the plane just just ran into a building and then like they keep saying the most horrific things that could happen and he goes i quit and he runs off and then ted danson uh runs Mm -hmm. because he's sad (laughs) because he's sad his daughter his daughter look doesn't look at him the same anymore so he's sad so Must see comedy on NBC. That's all I gotta say. I've seen yeah. the banner sword in all the in all the shows that I'm watching, so <laughs> I, I gotta check it out now. Okay, well that was feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. <laughs> and uh, with that, that's uh, gonna do it for this week's episode about Now Theron and Abe. Uh, you can find more of my work at the, my personal blog, thecodezeke.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing reviews at We Live Entertainment and Why So Blue, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe. Find more fun stuff over my Instagram, Abe.Mua, and twittercom moose. Hashtag, we've got vanilla and vanilla. <laughs> Daryl Taylor, where can people find more of you online? Uh, you can find me at uh, the voice one, two, three. Hashtag, I came in second. Hashtag, there's only two people playing. Hashtag, loser. There are no second places, so you're a champion among champions. Mm. Oh, my, I have pl- I have plastic trophies for all, so they're all the same. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, Okay. You can uh, find all the other episodes of this podcast on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, and H-H-W-L-O-D. Feel free to email us at outnetpodcast at gmail.com. Or write on Facebook, wildfacebook.com, slash outnetpodcast, or twitter.com, slash outnet underscore podcast. And, of course, our Instagram page, instagram.com, slash underscore podcast as well. Daryl, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Daryl. Thanks for having me. Had a good time. Good. Glad to have you here. Good to Get in a fun review for One Night in Miami, and that is going to do it for this week's episode. Next week, we will probably be talking about Tenet. We'll, uh, we'll see, Ooh. but uh, I think well, that's going to be the well, plan. Well, like to Daryl's point, we already did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll be I already heard up. it. Yeah. We'll be catching up to that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. The mind is... is the scene of the crime. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but that is going to do it for this week. So until next time, so long. And goodbye. Listen, listen, while the storm in your heart is raging, listen, 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 to the echoes of martyrs praying, listen, 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 listen. Brothers and sisters, listen, listen, listen. I swear we'll never find a way to where we're going all alone. Don't take your eyes off the road. Can you hear the bells ring out? Speak now. Now, can you hear the
message of hope in the whispers of ghosts. Listen, listen, listen. For the children will grow on the seeds that we sow. They listen.